Uh, we've been gone for just under two years, and it's a privilege to worship here, to, to sing praise to Almighty God uh, with like-minded brothers and sisters, with family, with you who send us out. It's our joy and our privilege to be here. I think we got some slides. I don't know if they're working. If they are, we'll see them. If they're not, we won't. And uh, we just want to share a little bit about where we are and what we're doing. Uh, so I'm Greg. This is Kilby. And uh, we serve in Arua, Uganda, in the top left corner of this East African country. We serve in a place where there's a lot of poverty, a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hunger. There's a lot of broken families. There's a lot of sickness. There's a lot of death. There's a person at the end of our road building coffins, and he never runs out of work. Um, it's a place where um, the, the government is confusing. Uh, it's a place where people are friendly. It's a place where most people live in mud brick houses and uh, grass-thatched roofs, and they draw water up from a borehole from a well, and some people have to walk just down the road. Other people have to walk three or four miles. It's a place where we've seen hearts really receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the midst of suffering and hardship, people are willing to have conversations. Time works different in this place. Uh, everybody's not watching their watch and always on the run. They'll sit down and talk for two or three hours in the middle of their day. They'll interrupt their schedule to spend time together. And uh, it's been our joy to be in this place and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in this place and to see the Lord at work in the hearts of people who've just trusted Him, people who've been growing now as disciples for over a year and are now evangelizing the lost themselves as they continue to grow. Can you flip to that next slide? We're partnered with a group called the Baptist Union of Uganda. It's run by Ugandans. And we're their partner. And uh, we get to do discipleship and evangelism in a place called the West Nile region. You might have heard of West Nile virus, Zika, uh, other mosquito uh, spread sicknesses. A lot of those exist here. And uh, there's not a lot of people sharing the gospel. And there's not a lot of discipleship. There are a lot of buildings with crosses on them, but there's nothing that resembles the church. And there's not a lot of teaching from God's Word. And so it's our joy to serve with this ministry in this place. This is our mission to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, share the whole truth of God's Word, and show discipleship as indispensable. We want to see God glorified as His disciples are trained and then they're spending their lives making more disciples. And it's our joy to see that that's taken place. While we're here, there's a young man still leading young men's discipleship group. There's a young lady still leading the children as they grow in the understanding of the gospel and living their lives for Jesus, even when life is really, really hard. And it's our joy to know that there are some pastors who care to share the word of God rather than political opinions or their thoughts totally apart from God's word. Can you go to the next slide? Habakkuk writes this, Isaiah says something very similar, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We're up in the mountains right now, but if you've ever stood by the ocean, you look off to the left, you look front and center, you look off to the right, and all you see is water. And I long for the day when we'll see the glory of the Lord cover the lands in that way. And what a joy to know that what Isaiah wrote about, what Habakkuk wrote about, what we hear of promised is coming to pass. That God is drawing people to Himself from every language, tribe, and nation. And there are people of the Allure tribe and the Kakwa tribe and the Lugbar tribe and the Jor people. They're coming to faith in Christ. God's doing a work by His grace as the Gospel goes forth 
in places where it's been muddied, and in places where it's never been spoken, never been shared. Please continue praying for more of this. And thank you for the prayers of all of you already. We get to share on Matthew 28 quite a lot. Uh, and what we want is, uh, in the place where we live and serve, this first part, there have been people who've gone there. They've maybe sought to make disciples of the nations, but there's been something of baptism, but a lot of confusion. Not a lot of teaching. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's what Christ has given for all of us in Andrews or wherever we grew up or wherever we go for vacation or work, in our families and with strangers. To share the gospel, see people come to faith, to see them take a step of obedience and baptism, and then to train them up to observe all that God has given. We really want to be about that in the place called Arua, Uganda, and throughout South Sudan as the Lord has started to let us travel up there and share the gospel in that place. And we trust that the Lord is with us. Can you go to the next slide? These are some of our young men. They're young. They're 16 to 20, and there's a little guy who's 12, and uh, they're faithful. These are some of my most faithful brothers. They walk three, four, five miles to come to our house and study God's Word. And they're not looking for just a quick youth group gathering. They study. They read the Bible for two or three hours together. They ask their questions. They didn't used to. They were very quiet and shy. We've watched people come out of their uh, reclusiveness or their shell. We've watched people who were afraid to speak because only the older people should speak. But we want them to know God's Word, and they've, they've felt that, and they're growing. Some of them had never held a Bible in their hands. Now all of these young men have the Scriptures in their hands, and they're reading day by day, and they're growing, and they're sharing with others. At first, we were just meeting once a week, then three days a week, then six days a week by their request. They're the ones walking a long way to get here. Such a joy to be around people who hunger for the things of God. And this young man on the bottom left, his name is Chol. We watched him learn how to read for understanding. He could sound out the letters, but he, he was struggling just to read. And as he grew in the knowledge of God, as he kept coming, he's the one who said, Let's, we're not meeting on Tuesdays. Why, why don't we meet on Saturdays? He just had a hunger. And we watched him trust the Lord. And now he's sharing the gospel in his school. And he's been called a model student in, in his school. The teachers in the administration uh, noticed a change in his life and they told the other students, follow like what Joel's doing. They see that the Lord has changed him. And that's true of many of these students. Can you go to the next one? I'm going to let Kilby share a little bit about her work with the young ladies and with the women that she's been able to minister to. Hi, everyone. Oh, that's really loud. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so similar to Greg having a group of young men who he was able to minister with, I was able to have a group of um, young ladies. They weren't able to come as much. Um, the Lugbara tribe, which is the tribe in our region, um, they're kind of known throughout Uganda for um, viewing women very lowly. Um, Oftentimes they're seen as property, as objects. Um, and so a lot of the young girls, even from a very young age, they have a lot of responsibility as far as um, what they do in the home. So the, the girls weren't able to meet as much, but we would meet two times a week. Um, and it was really beautiful. There was, there's some, um, maybe not where we are tribal warfare, but definitely some tribal prejudice. And it was really beautiful to see, I think in this picture, 
Um, there's maybe four tribes represented from northern Sudan, South Sudan, and Uganda, and tribes that would usually not even speak to each other who were praying for one another, sharing the gospel together with people from their, from their schools. And so it was a really beautiful thing to see and also a glimpse of, of heaven. Um, the, the girl beside me in the kind of looks like a bluish, whitish dress, um, her name's Stacy. She um, is one of the most faithful believers I've ever met. Um, the first time I met her, she was 11, and the girls in this group were um, about 14 to 18, and her mom was one of our friends, and she kept saying, please let Stacy come to Bible study. And I kept in my um, own finite thinking saying, Stacy wouldn't understand, she's too young, and the first time she came, she was like, okay, now uh, that you've told this story, who am I gonna go share it with? And she went and shared it with, everybody in her home and everybody at school. And um, we it was really cool. We ended up giving her a study Bible and she, it's like half the size of her body. And But she still carries it every single day, two miles to school, two miles back, because she says, I would much rather have this Bible and be equipped and ready to share with, with someone given the opportunity, um, even if it's more to carry on the way to school. Um, you can be praying for her. She does not come from a great family situation. It, there's a lot of drunkenness there. It was really sad the first time I met her dad. I was walking down the road with Stacy, and we passed a drunk. And once we passed him, she was like, "That's that was my dad, by the way. And he like had no idea who, who she was. And then recently, her mother left her um, to go start a life with another man. So this was beautiful, though, a really beautiful opportunity um, to see as soon as I found out that Stacy's mom had left, I went and visited her, and she was like, that isn't, I mean, I'm sad, and I'll be praying for my mom, but that's not what defines me, and I know who I am in Christ, and that is what I'll hold on to, and I was like, I don't have that type of faith, and I'm not 12 years old, you know, um, <clears throat> so yeah, be praying for her, be praying for her family right now, especially because that happened right before we left, and it was a bit of a discouraging note to leave on, um, so yeah, just be praying for Stacy um, and her family, but also in her faith, and that she would continue to, um, to be faithful and to be bold as she shares, and also for the rest of the girls in the picture. Can you flip to the next one? This is awesome. I think you guys have seen this photo another time. This is a brother of ours named Howard who was uh, involved in Islam his whole life. And then as he read the book of Luke, he trusted the Lord. Uh, me and another missionary got to visit with him several times. And he started reading through the book of Luke. And he, and he wasn't asking for material gain. He just said, I've saved up my money. Can you go buy me a Bible? I want to read on my own as well. And as he, as he was studying the book of Luke, he had questions, and we would just spend time together. He sells beans. We'd go to his bean shop. We'd buy beans. He'd, he'd invite us into his home. We'd sit there under the grass-thatched roof on the three little chairs borrowed from his neighbor. And this man came to trust Jesus. And then the local church walked two miles down to this uh, watering hole, and you got people jumping off the rocks and swimming like we do up here and uh, washing their clothes and their motorbikes and their babies and their pots and pans, and everything stops. And Howard gives his testimony. And the preacher shares the gospel. And everybody sings, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And Howard gets baptized. And it's an awesome proclamation of the gospel. And the believers are encouraged, and the unbelievers get to hear the message of salvation. It was a special day. Can you flip to the next one? 
These are some men who came to a, a study Bible training. These are all pastors. Some are from South Sudan. Some are from Uganda. Some of them traveled three, four, five miles on foot to come to this training. Some of them rode their bicycle 15 or 20 miles on rough roads. Some of them got in a, in a taxi, which is not like the little yellow-orange car we might imagine from the movies, but a bus that fits about 20 people, or a van that squeezes about 20 people. They traveled from far distances because they heard there's an opportunity to receive a resource to help them share the gospel better and teach the things of God better in the local churches. I'm greatly encouraged by these men, and I'm also challenged by them. The man on the right in the red shirt and the yellow hat and the purple tie, he's an older fella. He's never, he's never had any kind of study resources. And he said, this is already today in our eight or nine hours together. Help me understand the things of God better. And now I can go home and pass these things on. And, and he said, I would have had to sell two goats to get enough money to buy this. But my family doesn't have any goats. And even if we sold two goats that we don't have and got money, they don't have this in our region. And we don't know people in the capital. The capital city is eight or nine hours south of where these men are, and they don't know people there. It's just like a, a place far off. God is working through these men. They're reading the Bible, and they're growing in the knowledge of God, and that enables them to feed the sheep, to feed the local churches, rather than just trying to take from them. And I'm very encouraged by them. Can you go to the next one? This was another baptism for several of our students, and I can say that all of those young men who were baptized on that day are faithful and growing still. And this was over, uh, this was just shy of a year ago. I'm very encouraged by them, very thankful for them. It, the baptism was in a water storage container. It was in the dry season. It's hard to find water, though trees and a few different plants can stay green. Uh, it was a special day. Can you go to the next one? 72 students at a local school that we got to share with for eight weeks. Um, because one of our students, when he went back to school, he spoke with the administration and they invited us to come and share. And we, I thought just once, and then they said, can you keep coming? And so we kept going there, and they learned stories from creation to Christ. They learned a short gospel presentation. Some of them trusted the Lord. Some of these are young believers, and they said, you, you've helped us be able to know God more. You've helped us know God more, and now you've put a Bible in our hands so that we can keep growing. Some of these young people on this day, when they received their Bibles, they said, we're the first person in our family to own a copy of God's Word, and we're going to read it faithfully. You've changed our lives. Uh, and uh, I'm so encouraged by these young people because they learn these stories that, just like what we discussed with, with Passover and its meaning, they know what the blood of the Lamb represents. And they know that it was pointing forward to Jesus the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. They know when they look at creation that our God made this. And they know that the prophets were looking forward to a new king and a new kingdom who would be born of a virgin and born in Bethlehem. These, these students, they receive knowledge and they're excited. They're hungry. And they remember the things you say. And then all of these students are in a boarding school. And so when it comes holiday time, they're going back to maybe 30 different local churches, 30 different, 40 different families, and we encourage them, go and tell them the truth. Go and make the truth known. God is using young people in Uganda in a place where there's a lot of uh, stubbornness in uh, older folks, specifically in the church community, or where they say, we don't, we don't want anything new. We don't need anything from, from the Word. God is going to uproot that, and we're going to see it happen. Can you go to the next one? I'm going to let Kilby share about the children. 
Um, so this was uh, the first, I think the first time that we had a children, children's program. Um, these were the original children who came. And it was really cool. There's Stacy again in the <clears throat> pink dress in the back. And then that's her, it would be her aunt, but it's like her cousin or her sister who's with her. And they opened their home to us and let us just have Bible study right on, on their porch right there. Um, we used the Jesus Storybook Bible, and they memorized so much scripture. Um, they're an oral culture, so they can memorize things like I never could. Um, and it's so cool because I would ask them each week, now, who are you going to go and share this story with or this scripture memory? And every single time, they would have somebody, and they would actually share it. It wouldn't just be, you know, feeling the the pressure, the obligation to say a name or um yeah, they, they would actually go and they would share it, even these little, you know, tiny little kids. Um, so I was very thankful for that. Again, you can be praying for them while we're gone. Stacy, actually, we left her with a Jesus Storybook Bible, and she's been continuing this children's program, which has been a huge blessing. This is a church up in South Sudan where we've been privileged to travel this year several times. I've been up there uh, seven times. Kilby's been up there three times. And it's a difficult place, and it's a difficult place to get to. We could not drive here, though we have a van, thanks to people like you. And, uh, but, but the roads aren't safe. And uh, it's the type of place where you could be killed trying to drive up there. But uh, our friend has a pilot. He's a pilot. He doesn't have a pilot. He is a pilot. And uh, he flies a plane, which they also have. And uh, we get to go on that plane as passengers. I'm getting better with words. And... Uh, and it can be really costly to get up there because they've got all these uh, restrictions and then there's COVID testing on both sides and, and that's if you're a normal passenger. And so this brother of ours, who's also been a mentor to me, he's been a missionary there in, in, a, in a hard place for 20 years and his wife has also been a mentor to Kilby. Um, he said, if I make you guys crew on this little plane, you can come and go freely and it won't cost anything. And so I chalk the tire and uh, Kilby buckles her seatbelt and we're crew. <laughs> And we're doing really good. We've practiced a lot. And uh, this is, that church is a place where I've seen some of the most beautiful discipleship happening. Some of the pastors uh, that come in, some of the missionaries, indigenous missionaries that come together. There, one dude, the last time we were there, his bicycle broke on his way in from 18 miles out. And he walked the rest of the way. And he just wants to be growing. And when we're leaving there, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, don't forget about us. We know you got to go and visit family, and we know you have invitations with churches, but don't forget about us. And uh, please be praying for us as we continue uh, to look at spending more time up in South Sudan. There is a great hunger for the things of God, at least in this local community. And these folks who've been discipled by our friends for the last eight years, they're now getting on that little plane and flying out to other villages in Muslim-dominated areas. And they said, we'll preach Christ anywhere you drop us off. We don't know what we're going to eat all the time. We don't know where we're going to sleep. But the people in that hospital and in that market, they need to hear this message we've heard and received. I'm so challenged by them and so encouraged by them. This is a local church, whoops, in, uh, in Arua where we fellowship regularly and uh, where we labor uh, throughout each week. Uh, please pray for that place. It's, um, it's been a hard place. Uh, there, there's a, a pastor who in some ways uh, is a stumbling block to, to many of the people there. But the church as a whole is growing up. The people are growing in faith and growing in knowledge and reading the scriptures for the very first time themselves. 
and they're passing these things on to others. There's a lady named Sarah. She's been learning the, the Word of God and she sells fish in the market and she said, I meet a lot of people and now I, I have something to share with them. I've trusted Christ for a long time, but I didn't know how to share that with someone. And we started our, our session with a, a small group meeting on Thursdays with a short gospel, about one minute. It goes like this. This is the short gospel. There's four parts. God, man, Christ, and the response. God is righteous and holy. He created everything perfectly. But man sinned against God and created a separation between him and God. But God loved the world so much, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life and died as a sacrifice on the cross. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And in response, all who repent and believe in Jesus will be saved from their sins and have eternal life. And Sarah can share that with 20, 30 people a day because she loves the Lord. And it helped her put into words what God has done in her heart and for eternity. It's really awesome to see these people growing. Can you go to the next one? This is a pastor's training center where we've got to teach on local church. There's pastors here who represent uh, local Baptist churches that haven't practiced baptism or haven't practiced communion because they don't know what it means or what it is. And uh, there's a, a deviation. There's a lot of um, confusion between Catholics and born-agains where we live. So Christians are called born-agains, and they're hated by Catholics, and there's some reciprocity to that, sadly. Um, but a lot of people at the Baptist church, they'll say, we don't do those things because the Catholics do. And we'll say, but what does Jesus say? And what does God's word teach? And these men are growing faithfully. After the teaching on Baptists, three of them were baptized who hadn't been. And then they went home and they taught on baptism. And they, they said, we're going to go and we're going we're to share on communion for the very first time. And we're going to teach it from the scriptures. And, and, and it looks very similar to what we have done here tonight. I'm very thankful for them. They all receive study Bibles as well. And they, they received a several hour training on how to use it. Some of these people never knew what a table of contents or an index and concordance are. What are footnotes or cross references? And, and these are things in the Bible that can help us study. And as they grow in their study and in their knowledge, they're able to share. And they're humble. Some of these guys, they come from so far because there's a real hunger to know God. They read the Bible because they want to know God. They, they don't just want to know the name of Jesus and some stuff about Him. They want to follow Him clearly in all of life. I'm some of the most faithful men, again, that I've ever met. Can you go to the next one? Gilby's up. So um, this is actually cool because the, the lady in the back with the blue, well, I guess they both have blue dresses on, the blue and white dress, her name is Lillian, and a few people from Red Oak actually came to visit us in December, and they were with me when I met Lillian. And so um, since then, Lillian, she, I got her phone number, and she kept asking me. She knew we did Bible studies. She knew we were Christians, and she kept saying, please come and share the Bible where I work. So this is where she works. It's a Katanga market, like a <clears throat> African cloth market. And all of these women sit there every day, usually for 10 hours a day. And because they all sell the exact same thing, they'll have like maybe one customer each a day, maybe two, and they're just sitting there. And so I started um, going there a few times a week and sharing with them. And similar to what Greg said, many of these women, <clears throat> had never held a Bible, never owned a Bible, their families had never um, owned a Bible, and 
again, they're from a culture where the women are seen as, as very lowly, and so we just walked through all of the stories um, in Jesus' life and ministry where he's loving on and ministering to women, and it was amazing um, to see the way that they now saw value through who Christ says, says they are instead of how their culture values them or treats them. Their favorite is the story of the woman at the well, um, and it was, again, cool to hear how eager they were to go and share it with their children and with their neighbors. And um, even the, this woman over here, um, her name was Aikaru. You can be praying for her. But her husband is Muslim. And she was like, I'm even going to go share with him because he needs to know. Um, and before we left, we got to give them all Bibles. And like I said, many of them had never even held a Bible. And um, it was a huge blessing. And Lillian is continuing Bible studies while, while we're here. She's still meeting with them. Um, and they're still, yeah, they're still, they all work right there together. So it's kind of perfect because they're right there. And I, I love it. No one in Uganda is in a rush for anything. And so we would sometimes be having Bible study. A customer would come to one of their booths and ask what was going on, they would say we're having a Bible study, and the customer would just stop and sit for two hours and um, join in on the Bible study, and that happened almost every week, and sometimes we'd never see the woman again. Sometimes she'd come back the next week, um, so it was, that was really um, a big blessing, and yeah, um, very thankful for this opportunity um, that I've had with these women, and also their faithfulness. I think before the Bible study, most of them would say they were Christians, but they um, really knew nothing about Christ, about um, what scripture says um, about the gospel, and now um, I'm very confident that they all do, and they all have, um, most of them um, are very, very faithful women, so. So this is Stacy again, um, and some of her family members. It's just a fun picture. We, we get around by Boda, which is a, a motorcycle taxi. So this is five of us on a little motorcycle. And I don't know if you can't really see, but Abina, the driver, he's like all the way up on the gas tank, and his legs are like stretched behind him to reach everything that he needs to. But that's how we get around. It's really amazing the people we've gotten to meet and the people who've been consistent Though time works different there, and it took adjusting for us. Um, there's, there's a couple uh, young pastors who come every Monday from different distances. One guy three or four miles on foot. Another guy named Richard rides his bicycle eight miles on a rough road. And they just want to come and learn. They want to come and study. They want to come and grow so that they have something to share later in the week. And uh, I'm just so grateful that we get to be there. And I'm grateful that over a 1,000 Bibles have been able to come to this area because of you and, and others who have supported this work. I'm thankful for the pastors we get to meet face to face, whether it's driving six or seven hours out to a village place, or if it's a, a village right around our town of Arua, or if it's right in town. I'm thankful for the young people who, who are growing up in the ways of God when they never saw that on display and they never heard the gospel. The, the guy who asked um, for, for the, the young men's meetings to be six days a week, he said, I just go to church to play the drums. I, I don't know anything about what the pastor's saying, and I, I don't know what he's talking about. He hears the gospel. He trusts Christ, and now he's an avid reader, and he's sharing the gospel with everyone. He was quiet and timid. Now he's bold, and, and he's faithful. His teachers are seeing his life changed. Uh, his, classmate, his Muslim classmates are hearing the gospel at school. They're borrowing his Bible to see what he's talking about. 
I mean, it's really amazing um, what we've been privileged to witness in under two years, and it's God's faithfulness. We're weak and broken. We just want to share the message of hope, message of joy and peace that comes through Christ. This was in that one of the schools. The students are so open. The parents are fairly open. And uh, this is in a place where people pray to dead ancestors in the cemetery and hope for prosperity. This is in a place where people are meeting under a certain tree because they think it's going to make them wise. This is a place where there is so much confusion among Muslims in a, in a folk kind of Muslim area and, uh, and in a place where there's some mention of Jesus' name and there are some buildings with crosses but very little gospel preached and very little discipleship. And so it's our joy to serve there. And we're grateful to be there, and we're thankful that you've helped us be there, that you've sent us there and prayed for us while we're there. And we're also grateful to be back with you uh, at this time. Can you go to the next one? I think that's the last one. Hmm? Yep. I'm going to just say a prayer for us, and then I'm going to share a little bit from the Word. Y'all still with us? Is that okay? Cool. Father God, we praise you. We love you. God, we pray that you would speak to us through your Word, that it would be uh, touching our hearts. God, help us to know you and to know your gospel clearly so that we can share the message of hope with others, so that we can live as faithful witnesses. We praise you for all that you've done by your grace in Uganda and South Sudan and in Andrews, North Carolina and out from here. God, we pray for much more of it. Use us as your people, as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be in Galatians 2. I'm going to be brief because I know we just talked a long time. But Galatians chapter 2. From verse 20 to 21 in just a second. Just to give some context, Paul is writing to some people who are adding or subtracting things from the gospel. And uh, they're doing a disservice to Christ. Which is a big deal. And so Paul speaks up even when it's another brother in the Lord, the Apostle Peter. Who is adding to the gospel. He's putting Gentile believers, believers in Christ who are not from Jewish lineage, he's putting them at arm's length. And Paul says, absolutely not. Paul says, absolutely not. No one is saved by the law. No one is saved through the keeping of the law by the works that we do in the flesh. There is only one way of salvation, and that's by the blood of Jesus, the grace of God poured out on us. And Paul takes a strong stand on this. In the United States, in the South, it could be uh, that we're fighting against some moralism where people just think I'm good and I hope to be good enough for God. That's not the gospel. In, in Uganda, it's a pastor who is saying some true things, but it's mingled with false African traditional religion. And he's trying to put the things together and he's adding or subtracting from the gospel. And he's doing a disservice to God. I love what the Apostle Paul says here. From Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Paul is not living for himself 
any longer. Ever since the Damascus Road, everything has changed. His old ways of persecuting believers in Christ, that's dead and gone away. His old ways of boasting in himself, that is totally gone. His boast is in Christ alone. His boast is in the blood of Jesus. His boast is in the sacrifice that was made for him. Paul understands that he is owned by the living God, and that is a good thing. He's been purchased. I love how Peter writes, it's not that we've been purchased with gold or silver. Those are cheap things. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus our Savior. That is a great thing. That is the greatest message. It's the message of hope that is needed in North Carolina, and it's the message of hope that's needed in Uganda and South Sudan and all across this world. And as this message goes forth, that the grace of God is what we need. That the blood of Jesus is what we need. We're going to see what Habakkuk writes about. We're going to see what Isaiah writes about. There's going to be people on this earth all over the place singing praise to Almighty God. Bowing before Him. Surrendered to Him. Living their lives for Him. Singing His praises. And we want to be about that. And we don't want to place any hindrance in somebody's way. The, the Gospel is offensive to people already. And we don't want to add any offense to that. We want to preach the truth. We want to herald the name of Jesus and this great Gospel message. And that's our aim in Uganda. That's our aim in South Sudan. That's our aim with the young people. That's our aim with the old people. That's our aim at the, the print shop in town. And along the path when someone stops you and says, you don't look like you're from Arua. What are you doing here? And you get to share Christ with them. Just the first time you meet them, it's amazing. It is awesome that people are open to listening. It's the message of hope that's needed on the roads here and in our workplaces here and in our families here by those who may have heard but have not received the grace of God. Paul's not living for himself. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. His life is all about Jesus. That's why he can write elsewhere, to live, it's all for Christ. To die, that is gain. Sometimes we don't live like it. Paul lived like it. He would do anything and everything he could to make Christ known. Because it was Christ alive and at work in him. And it's my prayer that that would be true of each of us here who've received the grace of God. That it would be Christ visibly at work in us, shaping us and sanctifying us. Just as He has saved us, just as He has justified us, He's going to be sanctifying and growing us. He's going to help us walk in step with the Spirit because we cannot do that apart from Him. And we're going to bear good fruit. Not because we're good. Not because we're strong. Not because we deserve it or earned it. Not because we're taking pride in our own works. It's just His grace. It's just His grace. It's the work of the cross alive in us. Visible and on display in us. And to the world, it can be a stumbling block. To many in the world, it looks like foolishness. But it's the power of God unto salvation to us who've been saved. And there's nothing else worth living for. And we need to keep this message clear. And it's a simple message that Christ died to save sinners. And you need to trust Him. You need to set your faith on Him. You need to follow Him. You need to turn away from evil and walk in the ways of Christ. Trust Him with your everything. That's the message Paul lived his life for. 
He says, In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Charles Spurgeon, old guy with a beard, oh, dead guy with a beard, he said, I do not know a better summary of the Christian experience than this. It's no longer us living for ourselves. It's Christ alive and at work in us. I just want to encourage you, church, to set your faith on Him and to walk out that faith. As, as humans under the fall, our sinful flesh has the tendency to try and prove ourselves or proclaim ourselves or please ourselves. But for the grace of God, praise God for His grace. We're not going in that way anymore. There's this battle taking place between the flesh and the Spirit. And we, like Paul, we want to walk in step with the Spirit. We want to keep in step with the Spirit. We want to proclaim the grace of God and the name of Jesus and make His Gospel clear to people who don't have hope. People who are hooked on drugs. People who are broken and stuck in alcoholism. People who have left their families. People on the other side of the world or here who don't have food to eat. People who have really hard circumstances. And when we're in really hard circumstances, let us keep our hope set on the grace of God and walk in step with the Spirit. And let people see that the joy that we have isn't coming from our circumstances or from the good stuff that God has given to us. He's saved us. We're His family now. It doesn't matter if I've got food to eat or no food to eat. Christ is my Redeemer. It's a special thing to get to share this message in Uganda. It's a special thing to get to see people filled with the hope of Christ when before they were hopeless, like Howard, the guy from that baptism photo. He's got the hope of Christ. It's a strange thing to live in a place where rice is a luxury food and where people eat meat four or five times a year or maybe 12 if you're doing okay. It's just a different environment. But they're not looking just to have more meat to eat or a better place to live. They need the hope of salvation, which is everything we need in this life and for eternity. And when they receive this hope, they walk in it. Their life doesn't look the same. Everything has changed. And it's been our joy to see people start teaching these things to their family. And it's our joy to see people who were already, already called preacher or pastor start sharing these things with the local church. And it's a joy to see people reading the Bible for the first time. And it's a joy to see people say, I want to I follow Paul as he follows Christ. I, I want to make the grace of God known to others. I want my flesh and my aiming to please and prove myself, that's all been put to death. And I don't want to go back to weak and worthless things. I want to follow Jesus. And where Paul was imitating Jesus, I want to imitate Paul. And I want to find somebody because I know Paul was teaching that guy Timothy and some others and I want to do that also. And it's been really awesome to see some young people going out and finding people to disciple. And that's made possible because they heard the message of hope. The people around us, they need to hear the message of hope. It's not that they need to become Jewish and then they can become Christian. It's that they can look to Christ and be saved. They can call on the name of Jesus. They can repent of their sins and have life eternal joy, peace, and purpose that nothing in this world can offer. People in Andrews can be satisfied. People in Uganda can be satisfied. They can live and walk in purpose as they, as they look to Jesus, as they receive the grace of God by faith, as they trust Him and follow Him all the days of their lives. It's such a joy to see these young men 
baptism is such a big symbolic picture in this culture as it should be everywhere and as it is in this place. It's, I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back. This is the new life. This is my life. Christ is King. All praise be to Him. And you want to share Him with others. And it's been such a joy to see that all these young men who've been discipled are still growing. And they're growing in sharing the Gospel with others. They're sharing the messages they've learned with their family. They're teaching others in their schools. That one young man, Chol, there's an opportunity for a Bible teacher to come and that Bible teacher never comes. And Chol is now the Bible teacher. And he's like an eighth grader. God's using him in a mighty way with 120 other students who listen for 40 minutes as he just shares the scriptures and shares his testimony and walks as one. I pray that that would be true in this place and wherever we go. And I'm very, very grateful for y'all. I just want to keep it short. I'm thankful for you. Let us keep our eyes set on the grace of God. Let the flesh be put to death daily. Let us have moment by moment faith, actively setting our minds on the things of God. Just follow Jesus. Share the simple gospel with the people around us. Some are going to reject it, many. Some are going to receive it, and it's going to change everything, and they'll be our brothers and sisters forever, and that's the best thing we could ever see. Let us pray together. God, we praise you and we worship you and we thank you for your good news message. God, we thank you that you redeemed sinners, that you've made us family, that you've brought us out of darkness and into light, that you've brought us out from being orphans and you've made us your family. God, we praise you for the work of Christ on the cross. God, we thank you that that work is sufficient. God, I pray for anyone in this place who hasn't trusted Jesus to set their eyes, their hope, their faith on Him. On Him alone. God, we have nothing good to bring before You of our own doing or making. But God, we trust You and we long for You to work in us and through us. And we ask You to do that, Lord. In the week ahead, help us to think on grace. Help us to think on presenting the true Gospel simply. God, let us see our flesh put to death daily. It's just Christ at work in us, alive in us. God, we thank you for the gift of fellowship, the gift of the local church that we can meet and gather together. God, we thank you that you are king of all. You're sovereign, you're powerful, you're loving and gracious. And we praise you with all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.